welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, Every ladies and gentlemen, from back from the convention, the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is with deep humility that I accept the nomination of my party <laughs> to be your uh, president. Hey, it was a great, great convention. Of course, we loved, well, some of us loved the outcome, but put that aside just for a moment. To be there in a moment of history, and you had everyone who was significant, uh, you know, on quote, Democratic side, for the last decade. I mean, two decades. I mean, from, you know, not just the president, obviously, and Michelle Obama, but Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. It, it was just, the whole thing was great. I mean, if, if you love this stuff, it was the greatest place to be. For, because in that universe, it was like, yes. But you got to remember that we, you know, that was inside the hall. When you walk outside the hall and back out to the rest of America, we didn't yet know what the reaction would be, though. To begin with, it looks pretty good so far. It was amazing. And we have to say, well, let's just set this up. Jerry and I went to the convention. We got there last Sunday in the kind of late afternoon. Uh, it was very difficult to get there, but we took care of business. We flew on Jerry's Gulfstream. That was very, serious? very hard to do and what? real hardship. <laughs> but, anyway. I, didn't to, I didn't get to go to this one. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's cover that. I'm Megan not, Hills. I'm not, not used to having other people on my plane. I I found, frankly, I found it annoying. <laughs> it made me stay like six seats back, rows back. But Megan couldn't go because Megan has had, I think, now eight vacations already this year. 27. No, and I so, had to work, Gene. I had and to go so she was unable to uh, be part of it. And we did, by the way, uh, let's be honest. This is a team of three. Uh, Jerry, Megan, and Jean, and, uh, but we stayed in touch. We did. We but, did. Well, I got to see all your Facebook posts, which were really cool. The Facebook Live posts were really, were really interesting, and I thought that worked out really well, so it was cool to see it from your eyes and your perspective. Yeah. Um, but it had to have just been just thrilling to have been there. What it, was your favorite part? Like, what was your favorite moment? Well, every day it got, for me, it got better, but actually watching Hillary accept yeah. the nomination. You know, that's for those of us of my age and Jean's age, it was like this was a lifetime. And finally, when she said that, I accept the nomination. In other words, it was a long sentence into it. Mm -hmm. And then finally, all these battles, any, you know, obviously anyone who's a woman, but anyone who's had a daughter, anyone who has a granddaughter. I mean, this was this was a huge moment that gets lost in the fights we have, who gets the nomination and all that. But if you could just step back, because I was asked during the um, interviews, you know, we had a bunch of interviews, thanks to Gene setting them up, but we had a whole bunch of interviews. Well, and Linda Schaffron, who did a lot yeah. of that, mm -hmm. too, yes. back home. Absolutely. Yep. And so we, we had all these interviews, and they kept asking, you know, what do you want Hillary to say tonight? And my reaction was, I wanted to soak in the moment. Mm -hmm. We've got three months ahead for a campaign. Right. This is historic. This is important. 
And it, and, and it was. It was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. I loved it. What about you, know, Eugene? And, what was well, your favorite? Well, Megan, uh, two things come to mind. Probably the first uh, was we were walking through the parking lot <laughs> on maybe Thursday morning. And there had been a huge demonstration the night before. Remember, the, yeah. the police told oh, really? us that, yeah. that there was, they, were, they cut off all the Uber drivers coming in, getting in and out of the convention because the security was pretty complicated. And there was a crew of men who had brooms, shovels, and garbage bags. And Jerry uh, went over with them, and they, everybody wanted to get a selfie with Jerry. It's actually very cool. And we joked about this how you're known largely for your TV show, at least outside of Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you're known as former mayor, council member, anchorman, blah, blah, blah. But outside of here, it's pretty much the TV show. So everybody from the highest ranking politician, attorney, right down to the everybody, teachers, unionists, workers, et cetera. So these guys were out there with shovels and brooms, and Jerry went over and did selfies with them, and then he saw what they were doing, and he says, you know, I'm a man of the people, and can I help you? And Jerry helped them shovel up horse manure, I think, from the mounted police. <laughs> from the like mounted that. police who were there like the that. night before. Good for you. But and, I was wearing an Armani suit, and then, <laughs> and when they pitched in, they were sloppy. Right. I could yeah. have ruined my suit. They got some Weird. of that on your Armani. That was, I did. I said, hey, whoa, whoa, this is Armani. Yeah. Oh my then God. I lost being a man of the people. You want to know the Very other one? Very quickly. <laughs> The other one, Megan, was Cory Booker. Oh, yeah. yeah senator yeah. from New Jersey. Yep. Great. And yep. Jerry and I looked at each other because we, we were in the hall all four nights. Uh, God bless the Ohio Democratic Party. Yep. We were guests of the Ohio Democratic Party. We had delegate passes on Monday nights. So oh, we were, were? Okay. I was sitting right next to the red phone. Three seats over, Ashley Judd. No kidding. Yep, sitting with the Ohio delegation. Uh-huh. I saw, no, I saw the camera. Jerry went over and times. sucked up to her. And, yeah, she's she smiled at me. She did not. She smiled past you. All right, <laughs> but it was a smile. No, she said she had, honestly, she said she went to England and she saw Jerry Springer the opera. Shut up. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she doesn't have better was, things to do. I, I was very proud. She's an opera lover. She's a she, fan Corey of the Booker. We both said, dude, that guy is the next one. He's legit, yeah. yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. And so that, that was a big moment. But my gosh, there were, like Jerry says, there was, you know, one night it was Michelle Obama was, who was amazing. Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea Bill Clinton. Yep. It just came, it kept coming in waves, very well orchestrated. But let's touch on this. Monday night when we walked into that hall, that was a divided That was convention. what I was going to ask. Was what 40% were the Bur- yeah. of the people there were for Bernie. Right. And uh, we, this is the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party is a, be really a party of coalitions, a party of interest groups. And so, you know, it wasn't like everyone was part of a troop that would be in order. Everyone came in with their own agenda. And the Bernie people, you know, knew that they wouldn't get the nomination, but they were there because they had worked very hard for a year and they won 40% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and they were very vocal. And most of them, by the time it was over, you know, got behind Hillary. But some didn't. And some were protesting very loudly. We're, try, we're interrupting um, at the end. Some even went, what I would say, beyond the bounds of mm-hmm. appropriateness and cursing and screaming. And, 
they were they weren't escorted out by security. It was just that some of the delegates, big union guys, <laughs> took care of it. And so some of them were walked out. Friend, they just yeah, here. Let me help you to your car. <laughs> you know where the door is, right? You know where. And seriously, yeah. we're Democrats, and you and I have been going to conventions. Me, I we started used going to be the other ones. You were the we, ones we being were. thrown out. We so were. You were there maybe in Chicago in '76. Is that true? No, no, no Chicago in '68. '68. I mean, yeah. 68. In 72, it was McGovern, and we were all on the same side then, losing, but all for McGovern. The big one was 1980, 80. when we were for, you, you and, and I were I there, were we were delegates. for Ted Kennedy, and yeah. Carter got the nomination, and we were pretty upset, and at times raucous and whatever, so we get it. Mm-hmm. We fight. Democrats are our family, and sometimes uh, we fight, and we did see that, and boy, I'll tell you, you could feel it in the hall on Monday night, and then I think as the week progressed, would you agree, Jerry, that it's sort of like catharsis. You need to play out some of this anger and disappointment, and by Thursday night, it was less, though. There was still some drama going on. Do you know what was really palpable, though, even just watching it, was that the feeling was so different. It was so, the message was so much more positive. Did it feel that way there as well? Because it came across that way when you were watching it. You know, it's, it's almost impossible not to be partisan, but you you try not to be. And, and then you sit there and you listen to the message of that convention, mm-hmm. one speaker after another. And there was nothing at that convention said, nothing that you wouldn't talk to your child about. Right, right. It was It was totally decent. It was decent in terms of the issue of discrimination. It was decent in terms of health and education and caring for each other. It was just such a warm, come on in, open door to everybody kind of feeling. And you you have that versus what the darkness oh. at the convention the week before. Oh my gosh. And it was like, what part of that was optimistic and hopeful and gee boys and girls, you know, you should think this about Muslims. You should think this about the Hispanic. You, I mean, it was just so positive versus negative. Yeah. It was like, why will this be a close election? I mean, if you only voted on decency, forget the issue, just <laughs> decency. How do you wind up voting the other side? And we'll talk a little bit about I'll give you later. three words. Remember this, Jerry? Because we were, <clears throat> like I say, we were in the hall four nights and, and you know, we're hanging out together and talking and comparing notes. And uh, Cory Booker used the image rising. Mm-hmm. Remember that, Jerry? He talked about rising. rising. When slaves were slaves, there was always the spirit of we will rise from this. And that it was a motif, a reoccurring theme, as I learned in literature at Xavier University. Rising was the word. And then I think it was Joe Biden that came in, and his word of the night was was forward. We're going right. forward. And then Hillary on the final night talked about stronger together, two Love words. That. And that yep. was a theme. So the language even, they had thought this so through mm-hmm. that they were using motif words to pr- push this positivity that Jerry's talking about. Mm-hmm. It was... It, you, it was you, you would be very conscious of it if you just paid attention, and we were paying attention. Right. One of, from, from my perspective, just watching it, Michelle Obama just crushed it. She was so amazing. I was so proud that, like, watching her. Well, the big thing she said was, our children are watching. Absolutely. You know, you want to be a, a national leader, a world leader. 
You can't say the things Trump says. You, you just can't. How do you explain? You have to turn off the TV when he's on. You know, what kind of, what kind of country, what kind of people are we for that? Which now, gets, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there, there was some insanity. Here was, a, here was some insanity you caused by Jerry Springer, as always. I cause no drama. <laughs> I'm just sort of like, my head's down, I'm working. But Jerry, uh, CNN says to Jerry, oh. here's how the media was done. First of all, I got to tell you, I believe Jerry Springer did somewhere between 50 and 80 interviews. Really? From... Fox News multiple times, Fox News business, CNN multiple times, um, Gawker. It went everywhere. Local radio, San Francisco radio station, the Cincinnati Inquirer. It went on and on. And it happened like this. Uh, Linda Schaffron, Jerry's publicist, who has plenty of contacts and they know how to find her. She was generating a lot of them from back in Chicago, I guess is where she is. Then I'm on the ground there, and, mm -hmm. and it's always an entourage, it's usually an entourage of one. People will come over and say, you know, who's, who's with Springer, that guy there. And then there'd be, you know, what can, need one, can you do one, can you do one? And we just kept, kept them coming and coming because he was helping Hillary Clinton the whole time, Jerry. You're on message, your own talking points, but they, it was wonderful. But then somebody from CNN said, hey, Jerry, would you do Don Lemon's show? Oh. And we and he said, sure. What time? Oh, it'll be one in the morning. One in the morning. Uh, yeah, we'll do it. Well, it turned out it was a quarter of three in the morning. <laughs> oh. A quarter of three. Did you get a nap in before and that, Chair? Now. Oh, that's late. <laughs> then we had to go back to the hotel and yeah. get up at six. The next morning. To start the next day because the next day, Jerry, here's another thing, Megan. Jerry spoke to the Nebraska delegation. Mm -hmm. They invited him to come to their breakfast meeting. He did the Virgin Islands, who were mixed in also with Ohio. He did the state of Washington, who were combined with Massachusetts. So he'd be out in the morning going off to talk to these delegations who loved his message. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, we were, we had a blast, but we were on it. Oh, I bet. I bet. And the message was, and, and I just want to take a minute to, in a sense, repeat the message. You've heard some of this before, but of the whole over a year we've been doing this podcast, I want to repeat this because I believe it is the single most important political thing in our, in our lifetime, with the exception of the civil rights movement. And I don't hesitate to say it. There has never, ever, ever, ever in American history been an election like this one. Because, and the point I made at the, the morning breakfast where I spoke, this is the first time in American history we have ever had a major party candidate run for president of the United States who is opposed to the idea America. It has never, ever happened before. We have had Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, all kinds of candidates, even some candidates that morally, you know, whether you're talking about Richard Nixon or whatever, even presidents that have done some pretty bad things. But every single one of them, you can get as conservative as you want. Ronald Reagan, what did he say? America, the city on a hill. 
Every single person who ever ran for president of the United States understands and understood that America is beyond all else an idea. It is the only country in the history of the world ever to be created by an idea. Every other nation starts out as either a tribe, a kingdom, an ethnic group, a monarchy, an empire, trying to expand its land, find access to the seaways so it can have trade. Every other nation in the world started that way, except the United States of America, which first was an idea, as articulated in the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, the Bill of Rights, and as manifested in the Statue of Liberty. The idea was there would be one place on earth where we don't care what your religion is, what ethnicity you have, where you're from, who your parents are, none of that matters. There's a place for you to be free, to pray, express yourself as you want, and you can be the best you can possibly be. Come to our shores, Statue of Liberty. And now, for the first time, despicably, we have someone running for president who wants to take that statue and turn it into a wall, replace the Statue of Liberty metaphorically, and in some cases literally, with a wall. It is the most un-American concept you can have. And here's what the problem is, which really came to light this week with a big stink over what Donald Trump said of this family that lost their son in defending our country. Everyone saying, how could Trump say that to the parents of this young man who made the ultimate sacrifice? We are all appalled by it. Even the Republican leadership is appalled by it. What, what decent person wouldn't be? But I'm here to say it is not enough to blast Trump for being so insensitive and cruel and ugly for what he said to those parents. What about those who are supporting Trump now that they know what he's like, now that they know what his view is, I'm asking anyone who had been thinking about voting for Trump a lot because of party loyalty. I understand party loyalty. But after this, how can anyone with any sense of decency put political issues aside? Let's not talk liberal conservatism. Don't talk Democrat-Republican. Don't talk who has the better health care plan, who has the better view on minimum wage. Put all those issues aside. Those are legislative. We can debate those. But what you can't debate is decency and the idea America. And I am saying, and I never thought I'd say this, I've got a suggestion how to save the Republican Party. Yeah, they don't want advice from me, obviously. But if they want to save, if you want to save the Republican Party, and those of us who believe there ought to be a two-party system in our country, at least, and I want a strong, viable Republican Party because I think there are issues that need to be debated. 
I'm not one of them on that side, but I understand there is a conservative point of view. But right now, there is no Republican Party anymore. If this, the people that call themselves Republican can back Donald Trump, then there is nothing you really believe in. What does the Republican Party stand for? What is the core of the party if you can listen to Trump and say, oh, that's us? No. You want to save the Republican Party? And I start with McConnell and Ryan. I think the Republican leadership ought to get together, including the past Republican nominees, past Republican presidents, the Republican congressional leadership. They should all get together and say, we love our party. We love the principles of our party. We hope people vote Republican, but do not vote for Donald Trump, President of the United States. You will lose this presidential election this way. I understand it. I think you're going to lose it anyway. But you at least this way will lose this election, but you will have saved the principle of the Republican Party. John McCain, an absolute patriot, a man of high dignity and quality that has given his life devoted his life to this country. John McCain could stand up and say, I'm a Republican, vote for me, but I will not vote Donald Trump president of the United States. Then the Republican Party means something. That's what I think of that. Well, I tell you, Megan, I can only follow that by saying that we met somebody at the Democratic Convention this week, who uh, maybe stands a little in contrast to Jerry's message. It's a woman, and, and let me describe how we met her. Okay. She had often a gaggle of reporters around her. Mm -hmm. She was drawing significant attention from big reporters to smaller entities. And we talked to her once. We even had her. We did a report on her. I'll give you her name. It's Susie. Samson. I'm going to pass a phone number over oh. to David Pruce, oh, our technical her, yeah. uh, director here, and ask David because I got her phone number and asked so her. What was drawing the attention? Well, the her. last time, the second time we saw her, we walked upon her as she was completing the song, the last few words of God Bless America. Oh, he said she was this, she was this real conservative right-wing Republican who, at, who at the Democratic convention. Who snuck she snuck in. in. She snuck in on a, with a journalist credential. No kidding. And, and it was not hard to do. I got a journalist credential to give you an idea of how, how very was to sneak on a journalist yeah. credential. <laughs> there so she no had stink. a journalist there credential, and she's, a, I don't know. The, to be honest, Megan, these, uh, I think a Denise Compton, she intimidates me because they're watching us. Denise Compton from Podcast Watch. Oh, yeah. Remember her? You're not on she's, her list. You're not watching on her good us. list. Well, Susie Sampson <laughs> ran burn. some of the same kind of message on us about, well, you, you kept talking about you guys. You guys are not patriotic. You don't respect the American icons, even of music. And she was just completing singing God Bless America. And I think David has made contact. He just called her cell phone. Uh, Miss Sampson, are you on with us? Hi. That's her. Hi. Uh, tell, uh, and Jerry, you got to jump in on this because this woman scares yeah. the hell out of oh, me. Oh, I but remember. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think she's from Florida or South Carolina. Susie, where, where are you from? Uh, South Carolina. I, I remember that. I remember South that. Carolina. Yeah. Hi, Susie. That's I'm, Megan Hills, by the I way, Susie. You're, you're a conservative Republican. 
uh, fair to say, pretty right wing. Isn't that true? Of course. Yeah, and you're proud of it. You betcha. And then, and then why were you at the Democratic convention? Well, you got to keep tabs on you liberal folks. Oh. See, that's the thing about yeah. her. I, I just get uneasy. It's, and Susie, <laughs> uh, we came upon you as you were finishing the song, God Bless America. We all know that song. We all love that song. And it is one of America's iconic Ooh, patriotic yeah. songs. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Susie, mm-hmm. I wondered if you would, uh, and maybe this is, by the way, Megan and Jerry and Susie, where we can find common ground. Okay. Yeah. I think we all agree that we all love America. We're all patriots. Absolutely. Yeah. And we uh, heard. Well, I'm a patriot. I don't know about y'all. Well, oh. we are. See, oh. she well, lectures see, us. Susie, see what she does? She lectures us. Well, then go ahead. We are patriotic. Well, I'll show you how patriotic we are. We would love to hear you sing God Bless America. America as our audience. As you tried to do at the convention. Go ahead. Please sing that for us, and because we do appreciate that song. Well, is, is one of you going to be chiming in, or is it just my solo hour? Oh, it's your solo time. Please yeah, sing you, know, you do it. Get it, Susie. Do it the way you do it. All right. Well, I like to put my own on it. Okay. God bless America, land that I love, and the her and guide her. Wait a second, Susie. Whoa, 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 whoa. She was going like da 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 Wait, wait, wait. You're the patriot. Where, where the words? The words are written in my heart. Oh no, that doesn't. No, that no, no, no. Why didn't you sing them? Yeah, you're the patriot. Saying we like, we love. In fact, Jerry. I mean, maybe we should just school her. Maybe the liberal schools are conservative. Sing "God Bless America" for her, Jerry. I'm hoarse from yelling at the convention. You'll do just fine. Just listen up, Susie. God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and lift her no. from the sky no. to the no. wind. No, that's not it either. That's not it either. Oh my God. Oh my God. I could have done it. I could. Oh my God. I had a, <laughs> you don't know the song. Well, I do. Jeez, I was <laughs> paraphrasing. No, you don't paraphrase. <laughs> you don't paraphrase, God bless. Wait a second. Is Casey Wait, Campbell back there? The yeah. Here, let's hear it for Casey yeah. Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Now, Casey Campbell. Hey, listen to this, Susie. Susie, Casey Campbell is a socialist. Now, this is. (laughs) He supported. He supported Bernie Sanders. He is a professional singer. He has sung this song at Great American Ballpark, seventh inning stretch. Yes. Casey Campbell is here. God bless America. As you know it. As As you know it. As a socialist knows it. How's the right words? Yeah. Right words. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans wide with foam. America, my home, sweet. Now, sleep out of here. God bless America, my home. 
Hey, Susie, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right? All the best songs are socialist songs. That was okay. I'm not going to lie. I prefer prefer the words on my heart, but fine, whatever. All right. Thank you. Let's hear it for Susie. Thank you, Susie. I was Thank you, Susie. We'll talk to you again sometime. Yeah. All right. Here's another thing, Megan. What you got, Gene? Yeah. The car scene. Oh, yeah. You said that was, oh. traffic was a little heavy. So Jerry, I mean, Jerry rolls high class. And so Jerry rolls in there with his oh, driver from New York. Baller. <laughs> Thomas. And he's, he's driving a Cadillac Escalade. Uh-huh. Jerry looked like he was like a governor of Arkansas or something. It, and, w- it uh, wouldn't be an Escalade if it was <laughs> Arkansas. No, I guess it wouldn't be. <laughs> Ford Escape. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't know. A Kia? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's anyway. where we raise our guests. <laughs> Arkansas? That's where they yeah. all come from? Yeah, some West Virginia, but most yeah. Arkansas. Ludlow, Kentucky, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but uh, Uber had a yeah. contract yeah. with the convention. Oh. oh, really? And so the closest place you could get a car to was the Uber lot, which was just outside security. And But Thomas was an Uber driver, so Thomas goes back to his hotel and makes a fake Uber sign for his car. Puts it in the window, and all of a sudden, now he's Uber. And, and that's how you do. That's how you do. I was opposed to that. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Testing, one, two, one, two. The problem was, what? at the end of each night, the Uber line, it was going to take hours to get out of there. So I taught we you. We worked a mile and a half every night just to get to the car after the convention. Wow. Yeah. We, you know, so you start at 6 o'clock in the morning, and now it's 11.30, 12.30 at night. We are, and you know, we're not young. Really? <laughs> we were exhausted. <laughs> Honestly, we are walking there. But Jerry and, always no, thought. No, it's over here. No, we go this way. He always thought it would be a good idea to go have dinner at midnight. We found this diner in Philly. Yeah. Great diner. So at 1 oh, o'clock, great. he's shooting more selfies with the staff, etc. But I taught Jerry how to uh, do a map and compass. Mm-hmm. And I taught him, look up, see the Big Dipper, and off the cup of the Big Dipper is the, the North Star. Star. And if you walk just to the right of the North Star, you'll hit Holiday Inn, look like a mountain <laughs> miles away. And that's where Thomas would park the car. Remember that? And it went miles Packer. away. We would keep looking at that building. And you kept saying, always keep the river to your you left. You keep the river There's on no the river. left. You keep the river on the Where left. Where was the river? There the was Holiday no Inn. Holiday Inn on the right, river on the left. But no, there wasn't a river. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> Come to so what it. was I looking for? Hey, that's how, why we never got there. I know. How about Microsoft? Oh. Tell them about Microsoft. Well, Those are good people. There were a couple of companies that had promotions there at the uh, convention. And so they had like a booth. And the booth was like few really nice couches and chairs and they had a display and stuff like that but as i said we were exhausted because it was honestly non-stop interviews we gene said we had but i'd say 70 interviews maybe it was un it never stopped and we were so tired that we would park ourselves in this microsoft thing we became friends with them and we called it our office I'm sure and, they appreciate it. And they that. were so great because if someone was sitting in there 
they, you know, they would, their people would go in and say, oh, we have to do an interview here now. And the people would get yeah. up and then. We propose that they get some crime tape and put it across the couch. So, so that would always be there. else. Because every once in a while, you got to go to the bathroom. So you got to run them back and then hope that your seat is there. And we also had them put some crime tape across one of the stalls in the men's room right across from Microsoft. So yeah, private bathroom. Worked out well for you. Worked huh? out pretty well. <laughs> hey, get this. We were doing these. The Facebook Live stuff, and we had just a camera, cell phone, basically, with a good microphone jacked in. We saw three people asleep on the Microsoft couch. We were kind of pissed about that. Like, that's our couch. And so we did a video of them <laughs> stone sleeping. And then we put it up saying the headline was, get off our couch. And so the woman from Microsoft, who was from, like, Seattle or something, said, Gene, we got to know him. She's Gene. Can you do that ethically? They don't have your permission. I said, well, actually, you can't what, what, do that. What is this ethic yeah. word? <laughs> so when they woke up, Megan, I went over and talked to them. And I said, <laughs> we did this video, and I showed it to them. They thought it was hilarious. The woman then tells us she went to college at Wesley with Hillary Clinton. And she Shut was up. the one person that had beaten Hillary in election. They ran for some student council office. And she's still alive. And she's still a friend. <laughs> she's a delegate. <laughs> she's a delegate. She's a friend of Hillary. And she said, I was the one person, the wow. only election she ever lost until the, Obama. The Obama in 08. But she had never lost an election except for this woman who was falling asleep on our couch. We didn't know that. So we're just talking to her. And then she tells us a story. Well, this was a great story. Perfect interview. We, we interviewed uh, the youngest delegate at the convention, 17-year-old high school yeah. girl. And by the way... We probably had like 80,000 uh, hits for the stuff we were putting up. We made a commitment that we would do some funny stuff, we would do some serious stuff. The one where Jerry did an analysis from the convention floor got close to 10,000 hits. A German journalist mm. who was waiting in line, I exposed Jerry to something he had never done before in his life, and that is called waiting in a line. With other humans. With other human beings. Right. Right. What was that? So, so weird. So I'm we're, so sorry. Honestly, I had to go there was that. like a person on the, in front, and there was a person behind. I know. It's. I'm so sorry you had to suffer that kind really? of injustice. Oh, and it's there awful. were no chairs. Just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> chair, it really is. I can't believe you made it back. So this German <laughs> journalist was writing for Jerk. six newspapers in Germany. Did an interview with him. It got like thirty thousand hits. No so time. I'm big was in it, Germany now. Yeah. You and Hasselhoff, man, taking over. Oh no. So it was. Uh, I mean, it, it was a blast. So it was cool. very stimulating. Uh, we, we now, Jerry and I, come home committed to doing our part to try to, you know, do some volunteer work. We're talking about even in Ludlow, Kentucky, maybe uh, doing some door-to-door -door work for Hillary Clinton and the down-ballot people. Uh, and we're pushing other people or suggesting to other people. That they made it very clear at the convention, didn't they, Jerry? Yeah. The people from the podium. This is hard work. Mm -hmm. You assume nothing. This is like the Obama elections uh, four years ago, eight years ago. People have to get organized. They have to do field stuff. Let's talk about, just for a second, about the, you know, the elephant in the room, because it was at the convention. And, and to be fair, including people here at, at the co uh, coffee parlor, um, a lot of our friends and 40% of the people at the convention, at least the first night, were for Bernie Sanders. And clearly, they had incredible influence on ultimately the platform 
and also the positions of Hillary Clinton. There's no question they moved her further to the left. And this is the most liberal platform the Democratic Party has had in generations. So, but all of them, virtually all of them are disappointed. And some of them are downright angry. And some of them even will not vote for Hillary, though I assume very few of them will vote for Trump, but some of them are, won't. And I think that issue has to be dealt with. Considering the danger of having Donald Trump as president of the United States, we have to deal with this issue. And I think we have to intelligently speak to our Sanders friends and recognize what they're feeling, what their investment in him has been, and how difficult it is when you've worked against someone for a year, because we've been on that side, all of a sudden, wow, now we're out there pumping away for Hillary. And I guess here's what I would say. First of all, without sound patronizing, the truth is we know how you feel because we have felt that Several times before, I'll give you specifics. I got into politics working for Bobby Kennedy. He was the political god to me. And many of us who were for Bobby and those who were for Gene McCarthy in 1968, I'll tell you what we did. And I would say that to Republicans as well. Lyndon Johnson is the Democratic president. He's president of the United States, a Democrat. We are in an election year. And many of us Democrats fought tooth and nail to topple our own party's president, not just the candidate running, but the guy who was president. We were ready to defeat our own party's president because we believe so strongly against the war in Vietnam and on some other issues too, but basically that. When Lyndon Johnson, on March 31st of 68, said, I shall not seek the presidency, I'm dropping out, then all of a sudden they put Hubert Humphrey, the vice president, as the establishment Democrat for the presidency. And those young kids, me being one of them, for Bobby or for McCarthy, were outraged. Uh, Hubert Humphrey hadn't run in any primaries, and now the party establishment was going to suddenly anoint Hubert Humphrey. We were so ticked off and so pissed off. And we had, you know, the riots at the Democratic Convention in Chicago. And many of us just stayed home. And you know what? We got Richard Nixon, president of the United States. Same thing in 1980. Those of us who were for Ted Kennedy against Jimmy Carter, we lost. And a lot of people didn't go out and support Jimmy Carter. And the result was, and some people think that was a good result, whatever, but we got Ronald Reagan. So we've been there. And I'm here to say, you don't have to come over to Hillary today. You got three and a half months to reach the conclusion that in politics, it's not like sports. It's not like your team or nothing. Politics, by definition, 
is working civilly. In other societies, they take guns and they have coups and stuff like that. We don't do that. We have the peaceful transition of power. That's the only way democracy works, which means if you buy into the system of a democracy, you have to recognize that sometimes you lose. And sometimes we go in the desert for 10 years, 20 years before we finally get someone who espouses our point of view. So it happens. Think of how many years African-Americans had to go through this, wait till next year, until finally we had a Barack Obama. So I'm just saying to you, the Bernie Sanders revolution, as he calls it, and many of you call it, got started now. And you can exercise your power and the power of your voice and your effort and your sweat to get your candidates running for the state house, the state legislature, Congress. There's lots to do. No revolution takes one election, ever. You wouldn't have any revolution then if it was just that easy. That's a coup. One more thing, and I know I'm going on, but I, I, I think we, this point has to be made. We have to, we have to recognize what's at stake and what could happen. Please don't say, well, we'll have four years of Trump. No, that's the end of the idea America, pulling out of NATO, breaking out treaties, the Supreme Court. What are you thinking? This is crazy. Believe me, the people that he's discriminating against, they can't wait four years. They don't have the comfort of the revolution. They're living with the consequences right now. Imagine having a president of the United States who was against your religion or what you really believed or your family's safety or any of this stuff. We can't afford four years. So I'm saying you didn't get the final result you wanted, but you didn't get the devil either. You know very well that Hillary Clinton would never, ever, ever come out against health insurance, would never once say we shouldn't have education for our kids. You know that. You know that every second of her adult life, regardless of the politics, she has always been on the side of children, families, health care. You know, even when you get upset with her in Wall Street, why do you think every big corporate businessman hates Hillary Clinton, doesn't want her, is working hard? You think the Koch brothers are for Hillary? I mean, think about it. She's on our side, not on every piece of legislation as you would want it. But she's clearly on our overall team. Don't throw it away. You know, suck it up. Come back for the next election. You got congressional races to work on. We can't afford to have Hillary Clinton lose the presidency to Donald Trump. I swear to you, you will regret it, you will regret it, you will regret it. All right. Hey. Let's work in some music, and I'm going to ask that uh, Warwick and Lowell come up here, and let me tell you about them as they're coming up. They're two brothers from Indiana, and uh, they'll be performing, by the way, this year at the Whispering Beard Folk Festival, which is an amazing gathering cool. in uh, Friendship, Indiana, every summer in August. And uh, 
I'm going to ask these guys to do a song for us, and then we're going to chat with them for a minute. Sorry, one second. We gotta, They're uh, gearing up, I'll putting capos on and yeah. getting no, picks don't, out. Don't need to do any more. I'll so hum in the meantime. Mm. Here we go. Save the Union Terminal. Nope, 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 nope. The talk of this town seems to center around your bed. You committed on days long dead. The town's all buzz with the latest news about you. No one much cares whether or not it's true. Boys by the riverside care if we live or die. Just want to be left alone No matter how harsh it seems We still call this place home The casino bears down The heart of this town for sure It sits on the spot Your granddad's grocery store And across the street Faded old paint on the arcade sign Now shuttered and shut just like hearts used to wait there and pine Train yard's the only place that makes any noise anymore it Screeches all night long No matter how heavy it gets we still call this Yeah. 
That's Warwick and Lowell. By the way, that song's called Middletown, correct? Yes. And, and that's written by Jonathan Warwick Ford. His brother is Robert Rabbit Lowell Ford. And these guys have been playing music since they were teenagers, but you guys just only recently got together and started writing music and performing under that name. That's, that's right. We've played together um, in the past, but uh, it's never been a real collaborative effort. It's just been sort of one guy leading the show and the other guy supporting. You know, there are Jerry and Megan, there are a lot of family groups, brother groups, mm -hmm. yeah. Everly Brothers, if you go way back yeah. to the 50s and the 60s. And brothers sometimes have this great rapport, musical rapport and harmonies because you you know, spend a lot of time singing together, etc. So your music can be heard. You've got a website, which is warwickandlowell.com, and you've got a record coming out in the fall, correct? That's right, yeah, we're working on it now. Hopefully we'll have it out soon. Uh, we play, we play around town sometimes. We play as a five-piece group with some of our other friends, so that's sort of how the record sounds, but we play out like this, too. So nice. we're looking forward to it. Do a second song for us. Well, yeah, this one I think is called uh, Like a Fire, correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Warwick and Lowell.
gentle preachers and pedestal clerks Telling us that life ain't nothing but the meaning of work And I know we had places we were going to Red Rock, your mountains, and Mississippi River Blues Oh, we let it all pass and we put it on hold Set it all down and we started growing old I got a picture on my wall in New Mexico Good, good writing, great sound. Uh, can you take us out? Please turn my mic off. Josie, next time you're coming up here and singing for me.